College football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall. I'm Chris. And we're here to talk some good old-fashioned college football. Now, both of the semifinals played out how a lot of these semifinals uh, have played out, and that is uh, butt whoopings. Just grind you down, mix you up, and it just never really was a game in either of them. Um, we'll give you a little stats on these semifinals. Might be surprising to some how many games similar to this or just like this that we've had. And, and then you start to go, are we sure we want to expand to 12? We know it makes more money. There are some pros. There are some cons. But, um, yeah, not a whole lot of drama. Now, we do have a rematch with Georgia and Bama. A lot of people – Looking at Las Vegas sideways, like, wait a second, you have the Bulldogs as a three-point favorite? We'll dive into that. Of course, we'll dive into some some really interesting games prior to that Pittsburgh-Michigan State game. That was a pretty fun game. That Tennessee-Purdue game, oh, my goodness gracious. That was really fun in overtime. That's some tight games, no doubt about it. But once we got to the New Year's Six, I mean, golly, 37-35, Oklahoma State comes back. Ohio State comes back, too, 48-45. Maybe missing those two wide receivers was better in that game because it was a damn good game. Baylor Ole Miss, Iowa-Kentucky. Even that Arkansas-Penn State game was pretty, you know, kind of close. Um, man, that was that was a fun-ass day. And... You know, we we talked about how leading into when we did the the show this week that eh, there wasn't a whole lot of interesting games, and hopefully, you know, some of these games down the stretch pay off, and they definitely did. Yeah, we didn't get much uh, of any drama in the semifinals, but the next day and even the day of, the day before that was really, really fun. So we're going to definitely recap that, and then, of course, we'll preview the national championship number one. Really, number one and number two. It says one and three, but one and two, Georgia-Bama, all SEC. I know a lot of people are uh, don't like that, but, hey, that's what it is, man. That's what it is. There's, there was some teams that kind of looked apart uh, as number two for a while. Ohio State did for a while. Shit, Michigan did. We both thought Michigan was going to beat Georgia, actually. So um, here we are, but we do have the two best teams. Um if this is your first time, oh, whoa, 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 in Kirk Street, I got a night, you know, my, my co-host usually starts with a rant. I literally have notes on a rant about what he had to say. Um, anyway, if this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope it open. Download the show directly there. Listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find this year, College Ball Show under the Rope Dope Radio Podcast umbrella on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music as well. Um, we're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or, or your hat, you know, you're not, you did and you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. 
It's the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. You can upgrade to the choice and ultimate package. That'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without any additional fees, which is becoming harder and harder to do. If you go all the way to the premier package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall, see how he's doing, and uh, just kind of get an overall, you know, welcoming here. What's going on, man? How you doing? So I know we're a college football show. But uh, I have ESPN on, and, of course, they did a little quick preview of the Monday night game tonight of Browns and Steelers. And just for, like, pregame sound bites, um, they showed Denzel Ward, who plays for the Browns. Uh, uh, again, speaking of against, it could be the last time they play against Big Ben. And the quote said, it would be an honor to face him again. I would love to pick him off another time in his career. <laughs> I got to say, Chris, and of all the quotes I've seen from the NFL, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, dude, I'll play you one more time. I would love to pick one, like, get one more interception off before you retire. Um, hmm. that, that's, some, that's some pretty good trash talk. I oh. thought you were going to say something like the years ago, those offensive linemen that helped, you know, that helped them around that bathroom. They kind of blocked the bat. I thought they were going to oh. have some sort of quote with those guys, but yeah, maybe yes. not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he wishes that was over too. <laughs> I yeah. never forgot that. Um, but hey, uh, like you said, it was a really fun day of waking up for New Year's. Hopefully everyone had a, a peaceful, fun New Year's Eve party night. And you got treated with a lot of really good games. Um, there was five games that day, and uh, almost all five were respectable or decent watches. Um, my favorite team, Old Miss, had a, a rough game just due to an injury. We'll get to that. But, hey, it, it, honestly, um, it, it was a, a pretty fun bowl season. Um I yeah. do th- I do think again unfortunately um we had another final four of uh beatdowns um I'm thankful that as college basketball fans which we'll do that podcast as well um and not that every final four of college basketball is always close but normally like those those final two games a lot of times are sometimes better than the championships so but you also uh, don't get a month off to scout the teams well, either <laughs> yeah that that that's yeah you're right that's true too so, um, but hey, you know, overall, it was it was a pretty fun bowl season. Um, I didn't have any um, painful bets to endure. Um, I did, nah. I did take my, I did take my hottie toddies. I took Old Miss. Um, and obviously, when your star goes out, uh, that changed the whole dynamic of that game. And I'm not saying it was a guarantee they would have won, but uh, Matt Corral, who was a guy who was in the race for the Heisman for a good chunk of the year, goes out. And then they bring in a freshman who's maybe throwing 15 passes all year, and he, he did okay. Um, but, hey, overall, um, I know you're about to get to Rance. I'll let you get to it. But it wasn't, it wasn't too bad of a bull season. I, I was pleasantly surprised. There was a lot of fun games. Um, had a couple of crazy moments. And I will just say, if you did not watch the second half of Tennessee and Purdue, and I really ever say this, go back and rewatch that game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I almost never got, oh, you got to go back and watch this one on replay. Dude, even if you know the outcome, which I'm sure you do, uh, Purdue won, it, it is a game of enjoyment to watch as a football, as a sports fan. You if, give, give yourself half an hour, 45 minutes to watch just even the fourth quarter. That was hands down the most enjoyable bowl game of the whole bowl season, in me, to my opinion. Not the most important. It wasn't the most, you know, prestigious game. But just for fun college football moments of like, 
what the hell just happened? Oh, what just happened? Oh, what just happened? Like you had like 10, oh my God, what just happens? And yeah, treat yourself. If you missed that game, go back and watch it because it was a joy of a game to watch, Chris. You know what's funny is I did go back and watch like a good chunk of that game at the, or the, the like somewhere in the third quarter I picked it up. Sure. Uh, because I was working. And, you know, when you work, you get to see the games a lot and whatnot, and that's great and all. But I swear to God, every time I looked up, like, wait a second, they just scored again? What the hell just happened? <laughs> so you're right. I know. I mean, I, I'm an example of that. Like, if you missed it, go check it out. But I didn't necessarily miss it, miss it. I knew what was going on. But I was just like, how the hell did they already score? And then they look up, they scored again. What the hell is going on? Like, I had that. I even was trying to keep track of it, and I couldn't. Because I was working, and, and so I actually, for that reason, was like, okay, I got to see what the hell happened here. What the, you know? So you're right. That is a good call. No doubt about it. Um, as far as the set, I'll, I'll hold off on the rant. Let's get these semifinals out sure. of the way. Um, man, uh, the first drive for Alabama, Alabama ran. They run, they run, and they run a little more. Ten straight runs, and then a wide-open pass, go figure, to score the touchdown. Brian Robinson, Jr., 26 rushes, 2 or 4, 7.8 a clip. That's, as far as these semifinal games go, that's the third highest. In Ezekiel Elliott, that same year, um, I think it was Bama and, what, Oregon. He had 246, 230. Uh, Rodney Anderson for Oklahoma in 2017 had 201, so that puts him in third uh, for the semifinals anyway. I mean, he, wow, that was crazy. And then just overall, that I mean, we know Bama, especially like maybe five, six years ago and beyond was a, even a more heavy running team. 302 rushing yards overall, it's the most in – Bowl game school history, not just the semifinals, but in the history of Alabama football, they ran the most, man. That game, since he drove down, had to settle for a field goal. Uh, you know, the next drive down, um, Bama converted like a, a third and 14. And then, you know, I, I think they, uh, it was a fourth and second there. Uh, you know, they just, there wasn't much that before you look up, it's, 17 to 3. They just outplayed him, outmuscled him, chopped him down slowly but surely. And on the other side, the opening drive, um, you know, Bowers had like three catches. They had a third and one um, where Michigan wasn't lined up properly. And then when you look at the play, you're like, man, if they were lined up properly, they probably could have stopped that third and one. Um, the turnover on downs, down seven zip. Uh, halfback, you know, run pass TD, like it's the, the, all sorts of shit. It, it was 14 zip before you knew it. Both those games, though, literally just manhandling. I mean, 27 to 6, 34 to 11. And, you know, I don't think too many people gave Cincinnati, you know, a, a legit shot to win that. You could kind of see that in the odds. We both thought seven and a half was probably a little too much. Um, you know, we were, we were kind of saying, hey, we'll take those points with Michigan. Um, they weren't able to 
sustain the run all that much. The combination of passing 313, three touchdowns and no picks, and also running the ball still 35 times for a buck 95.4, had a 31-yard uh, run by Edwards. Um, I mean, Michigan, well, we know Bama, you know, from the get-go, but same with Georgia. I mean, considering how hot Michigan came in there and the way they closed, and even back to their one loss, they were leading that game. We talked about that against Michigan State, and they faltered. But, man, just a 34-25 to 25 on the time, you know, the time of possession, three turnovers from Michigan State. The Bulldogs, man, you got to give them credit, man. They definitely – after sustaining that loss, being undefeated all year, looking like the number one team, uh, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, and I I, <clears throat> I made the wrong decision. I really thought that um, based off Michigan's dominant performance against Ohio State, um, that they would be able to kind of man the trenches against Georgia, and I was wrong. Um, obviously, it seems like ESPN social media was kind of hammering the Michigan quarterback, but it's fair to say that's probably the best team he's faced all year. And it's not like Michigan, you know, they just, I maybe the preparation, who, who knows for whatever reasons, or maybe Georgia was just ready to go, Chris, because they got embarrassed by Bama. But um, for whatever reason, um, Georgia came out ready to play and it wasn't ever really a, a game. But, again, this was a Georgia defense who people were really high on for the whole season. They dominated everyone. And, yes, they are on the weaker side of the SEC, but they still shut down a bunch of teams who are, even if they're, you know, average or quality, they still, like, owned them defensively. And then you got smoked by Bama, and he went back to owning a team who, I mean, let's tip our caps to Michigan. They had – uh, a top, a top ten, top seven season in football this year. You could, bro, I mean, you can say top four because they made the final four. So, yeah. besides the one blimp on the radar for Georgia's defense, they again came out and and essentially, you know, pitched a shutout in baseball. I mean, they they gave up eleven points, but I mean that Georgia's defense was again that dominant force of what we'd seen all year. And again, I think it's it just goes to show in the trenches, maybe besides Bama. No one else has really owned them in the trenches this whole year. So again, that was a great one by Kirby. Um, I think if you're a Michigan fan, you got to be happy. I mean, sure, you didn't probably want to lose like that, but again, big picture as a program, this is where you want to be. Now, can Harbaugh take them there consistently? Who knows? But I think after a couple of you know weeks over, I think Michigan's going to be very pleased with how far they made it, Chris. I think that's a very successful season. Harbaugh now gets some people off of his back. Um, if you're Georgia, clearly. You, you know, you achieved this goal. Okay, you're back in the title. You got a chance against Bama again. So you're, you still got your chance to get your, you know, title against Saban. It, it's there again. Um, I do think it would have been a little bit of a disappointment if they had lost to, to Michigan. But, hey, they were more focused. Um, Michigan had their best one of the year. They weren't able to follow up with another one. Uh, credit to Georgia. And again, to this defense, you if you if you erase the Bama game, Chris, this defense was the best in the nation. But unfortunately for them, Bama's the, who they get to play again. <laughs> so well, even with that stat, you know that game, they still were the best. You know? Oh sure, oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent, yeah. So, and um, the one thing I was kind of making note of for just for myself uh, with the Bama Cincinnati game, 
and I, and I don't think that I don't think Cincinnati embarrassed themselves. Um, I think that Bama was a better team in the trenches, and you saw that on the drive. But there were times where I mean the game wasn't like by no means did I ever think that Cincinnati was going to just run away with it or, or pull off a win. But I think that their defense held their own. But there was a handful of times in the first half where Bama had a third and ten or longer, which I really thought could have been momentum seizing moments for Cincy. And they couldn't dial up the perfect play, and Bam would would get like a 15 yard pass or a 20 yard pass or a swing pass or something. Like I felt there was chances there for Cincinnati's defense to have to be special because they almost had to be. Um, I, I took the first half under in that game because before I was watching that game, I was thinking there is no way in hell with Saban having time to prep that Desmond Ritter is going to beat Nick Saban. So with that said, I'm like, if Cincinnati's going to pull this off or make it really close, the defense is going to have to play lights out. And I think that Cincinnati's defense played pretty damn good, but it wasn't lights out. And, again, I'm not saying that they win, Chris, but I think if there's a, a, a handful of those third and 12, third and 14s, which they caused Bama to get into, if they could have stopped them, I think the game could have been a little bit closer. So, again, uh, props to them, Bama for the game plan. Props to just taking authority right in the first drive with 10 runs and one pass. And I'll give credit to Cincy's defense. They played about as good as they could. And you just had their offense just wasn't able to create enough to make the game really exciting in the second half. I, I wouldn't say that. You can't give up 300 yards on the ground and say they were lights out on defense. I mean, you, well, you I, just, I, not like not on. lights out, but they they kept they they kept their they team didn't play the great. long enough, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean they they definitely played better than their offense. That's yeah. for sure. I mean their offense had that nice opening drive, ended in a field goal, and then it was three and out, three and out. They had a fumble, uh, and then a turnover on downs. Um, Let, so lights yeah, out as hard. Is, but I I think they played about as good as they could, especially considering their offense was giving them no help. I think a Cincinnati defensive unit did pretty well for the circumstances of the game. Then that's that's stated differently, so uh, I can give you that one. Sure, definitely. sure. It, they they weren't the well. They were still a weak. Like I said, you can't say that there wasn't a weak spot if they gave up 300 yards. It's the most rushing yards that Alabama's ever gotten in a bowl game. Uh, so that, and they run the fuck out of the ball uh, yeah. in years past. You know what I mean? It used to be like game manager central there in Bama. Um, that's for sure. But you, you're right. They, they, they just couldn't get over the hump. And I thought that turnover on downs uh, for Michigan, I, I thought kind of similarly where you're like, dude, the thing is you gotta, you gotta make it count in the first half, dude. You cannot let them get up. And Georgia just got up too quick, 14 to zip. And that's one thing that both teams aren't Cincinnati, Michigan, is the comeback kid. Their their offense aren't set up that way, just period. They're just not. They're really not. Um, at, at a high level, not just your ordinary game, but on the tippy-top level where they were, um, you know, that, that, that played into another. We'll talk about some more major um, games uh, before we get uh, to the Kirk uh, stuff there. Um, but – Oklahoma State in Notre Dame, I mean, it was a masterpiece at the start. I got up, speaking up, up 14 zip. Uh, you know, they had some issues, four and out, fumble on three plays, three and out. It was rough. Now, they did manage to kind of contain it, uh, Oklahoma State, and get it to 14 to seven. 
but then it was, you know, 28 to 7 uh in the first half down the stretch 28 to 7 with about a little over a minute to play 28 to 7. And you're looking at this going, man. And they missed a field goal, so they had a, a decent drive, eight play drive. Also, they missed a field goal. I know Oklahoma State missed one as well. But that touchdown drive to make it 28 to 14 and then on the flip side, to come out and have a 12-play, 87-yard drive, four minutes, and to already be there 28-21, to 21, it was like, whoa. And then that defense that has been so strong for them, the running game defense, because that's the only time usually Sanders plays good if that combination is there and it's not dependent upon him. Um, to come out and, and to even that game 28-21 and then to force another three and out, um, even though the offense didn't take advantage of it, they forced another punt. Then they had a, a 10 play, 89 yards, 89 yard drive, and it only took them a little over two minutes to tie it up. What did, what did, uh, you know, what they do, the Irish to respond? Three plays, zero yards, 24 seconds, give it up, um, and then a fumble the next play, like it, and then an interception. I mean, it was a wild game down the stretch when, they had that 10-play drive, Oklahoma State, and then they fumbled right at the goal line. That kept it alive. I mean, there was a lot of drama down the in the second half of this game. And once again, I think that Sanders listened to the podcast last week because 30, dude, 34 of 51, 371, four tutties. And, oh, by the way, he had a buck 25. So that dude was about – it was over 500 yards. There was, yeah, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. 500 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, we got to give him a little bit of credit because on the other side of it, he threw for 500 yards and five touchdowns, and he set like a – I mean, the first half of Notre Dame stats on offense were just ridiculous, dude. It was like, oh, my God, they're doing this against this defense? Like, how is this happening? I think the, the stat was like – Four touchdowns and 354 through the air, dude. Uh, Only two Oklahoma State uh, of 13 games of Oklahoma State opponents gained more than that in the entire game. Only two of them the whole year, and (laughs) freaking Notre Dame had that in the first half. Wow. Talk about a turn of events in a game, though. Yeah, and – considering the Spencer Saunders we last saw, maybe he did some film work, maybe he played a little better football. Um, this was a guy who looked, I mean, just hopeless as hell against Baylor. And I remember that because I bet on him, and, and they put in a, a horrendous, <laughs> horrendous performance. So uh, clearly Notre Dame's defense maybe isn't as good as Baylor's. I don't think that's a, a, an unrational thing to say. But, hey, that was still a, a tremendous amount of stats, no matter who you're playing, to have that amount of yards in the air and on the ground. Um, yeah, I just, I, I got, I got nothing, but that that's kind of been the ammo for a couple of big games. Oklahoma state's played this year, whether it was against Oklahoma, whether it was against that Baylor team or whether it was against Notre Dame, where they would kind of have a little bit of a slower first half. And then the second half, they would kind of put it together. And that, that would result in a comeback win against the Irish comeback win against Oklahoma, um, a pylon touch away from a comeback win against Baylor. So, that was kind of their their deal. Maybe a slower starting offense, make halftime adjustments. So give them credit there from the coaching staff. 
and result in a good win. And then to go from giving up 28 points in the first half to seven, um, yeah. again, whatever adjustments were made, Chris, were very um, beneficial for that team. So, yeah, that, that was a hell of a fun game to watch. Um, I do think that even though it, it, the game started off as a defensive battle, um, that that Baylor Old Miss game was going to be fun to watch. But uh, my guy Matt Corral ended up ro- thankfully just rolling his ankle. Um, it looked scary. Um, obviously, where my co's going to get to, but we're in a time now where a lot of players who are a first round or second round draft pick or an NFL talented player have chose to sit out of bowl games because they know that if they were to suffer a serious injury, that that could really ruin their career. Which, and a lot to a lot to. Probably 95% of these guys, this is life-changing money because you're probably not coming from a family that, you know, owns an island or something. So uh, I get it. But Matt Corral was a guy that said, hey, I've been with my teammates all year. I, I, I didn't think for a second about sitting out. I'm going to go play and try to win a game with my boys as as a leader and go out on top. And um, he did end up getting his ankle rolled over on a, on a sack in the second quarter. Um, and he limped off. He got carted off. But thankfully, again, it's a high ankle sprain. So his NFL career shouldn't be affected for the draft status. But unfortunately, um, with a back quarterback, uh, Baylor's defense, to give them credit, uh, played a hell of a game. Ole Miss scored seven points in the whole game. Um, Baylor's defense with Miranda had a hell of a game plan, no matter who they were playing. And they, they cap off what was yeah. shit in real, a, a really nice year. I remember we were talking about Baylor during the start of, the, of our podcast, like we, one week, two or three, and we're kind of, okay, they're, on, they're not ranked. Like, we think they might be a good team this year. And we were kind of like, uh, are they like a sneaky team to finish fourth or fifth in the Big 12? And, you know, then they end up uh, winning the damn Big 12. Like, holy shit. Like, if you're yeah. a Baylor fan, man, what a, what a nice year. And especially if you're Dave Miranda, like, hopefully if you're barely going to hold on to the guy because you put together – I mean, one of the better seasons they've had in school history. I know they had a good run there with uh, uh, Bryles and Matt Rule, but, man, if you're a Baylor fan, you beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl, you won the Big 12. Like, for a year where you started off the season, I'm 99% sure unranked. That, that's, a, that's a hell of a season, Chris, for a team in the Big 12 that not many people picked. Dude, it's their first 12-win uh, season in school history, and these are ranks when they went against the team. But they beat five ranked teams this year, Sugar Bowl champs, Big 12 champs, number 14, Iowa State, number 19, BYU, number four, Oklahoma, number five, Oklahoma State, number eight, Old Miss. That's three Jesus. top ten wins in the year. Yeah, dude, I'd say that's a – I mean, considering what that program went through um, not even all that long ago, sure, I'd say that is a freaking major, major coup, man. Props to them, no doubt about it. I got to back up a little bit with Notre Dame, but we can't let this slide, okay? Can't let this slide. Notre Dame has now gone 0 of 10 in its last 10 major bowl games, which includes two college football playoff games, a BCS championship game, five Fiesta Bowls, one Sugar Bowl, and one Orange Bowl, okay? We cannot forget that stat. And don't get me wrong, you know, before this, the last few years of the, if you're ranked higher, you're going to get higher in the, they don't actually have, they're not in a conference, so it doesn't always apply to it. But the rule is in the top 15, the higher, you know, if you're in the Big Ten, 
the higher ranked team's going to get it, going to get that bowl game. But this sure. is something, you know, short lived. But overall, I will have to say that they always, because of their name recognition, got the hardest matchup that they possibly could that year. So I will put that in there. But 0 of 10, I don't think that's all that good. Maybe I'm just tripping. Maybe I'm a Notre Dame hater. But, wow, dude, 0 of 10, that is ridiculous. But just just looking at that match or that uh, that whole day, someone, this is Reddit College Football on Twitter, the combined margins of victory in the Citrus Fiesta and Rose Bowl was eight points, and uh, all three had comebacks. The Sugar Bowl was tied with 12 minutes left. Just an incredible day of football, and it really kind of made up for those bunk semifinals and some of the okay play prior to the last few days. So it definitely saved, uh, you know, that, no doubt about it. All in all, man, I, that was uh, – that was a blast, man. No doubt about it. I mean, Arkansas did uh, take a little bit, but they, they kind of wore down Penn State and end up, uh, you know, that was a close game. The Kentucky-Iowa looked like Kentucky was going to roll, but Iowa somehow stayed around and actually got up. Kentucky had to score late to get that game. One of the games we haven't talked about yet is Ohio State in Utah, and this is the one that got the most attention not because of the matchup, but because um, – and this is where the point of, uh, you know, not playing in a big game. We kind of broke it down before the we got on here recording. If you're a top 15 team, it's usually a big game, whether it's 10 against 12, 8 against 13, 5 against 6. They're big games. This is 6 against 11, which does kind of make it sound funny. Why wouldn't 6 and 7 go ahead to but that's where college football sometimes gets it wrong because of the contracts and all that. But um, early on, I mean, it's four, it's fourteen to zip pretty damn quick. It's twenty eight to fourteen. It's thirty five to twenty one. Thirty five to twenty one at half, and they threw a pick. Luckily for Ohio State, anyway, there was a fumble. Thirty five to twenty eight, but still third. The next. The next go round, they have a nice successful drive. Get a field goal. It's thirty-eight to twenty-eight. Um, Utah showed up offensively, no doubt about it. I mean, they put up forty-five freaking points, but down the stretch, Ohio State looked like they had pretty much all year beyond a, a couple games. To, you know, a touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. I mean, it was. Uh, Pretty crazy game, though, considering those leads throughout. And although I can understand, um, like I mentioned, the top 15, the Rose Bowl type stuff when two guys sit out, I understand the issue there, and I do get that. And that that's something that doesn't happen all that much, um, but it has happened in the past. But this, this that's pretty major. The argument can be made, though, on this one, right, because I can, I can feel both ways. One – Yes, I see what people are talking about in the longevity of people missing Rose Bowls will catch up to the sport. But um, it sure helped in this game to make it competitive, though, Marshall. Yeah, and I i don't know. the I, I was basically calling him Randy Moss in my group chat because the uh, it, it felt like he had a Randy Moss-style game that Smith uh, in, in Jigba, uh, he had – 16 no 17 targets 
15 catches, 347 yards I and three TDs. It's hard to say without laughing. Uh, that 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 three hundred forty seven like, yards, like what? That that's and with all respect, RIP. Like you can't even do that in a Madden game. Like that's even true. If you were to, that's beyond you know, video game numbers. That, yeah. So uh, TJ Stroud two six touchdowns five seventy three. You wonder why they're throwing more in the league now. <laughs> And when I started watching the game, I was like, okay, well, I said, you know, this is the um, same Ohio State defense who got owned by Michigan. Like, hey, you're going to be in the line of trenches. And again, Utah, that's what they do. They own the line of trenches. And Utah special teams were having great games. But you started to see that Ohio State offense starting to get its mojo. And there was literally just no one on earth that could cover that guy. Like, Every time you saw him catch the ball, it was, oh, there he goes. Like, I, I just and, – and I'm sure – I mean, and Utah, again, is a very good team. They deserve that 11th ranking. They whooped up Oregon twice. They had a great season to go 10-4. Yeah. Um, but there was – I there literally must have been nothing they could have done to slow down Smith and Jigba because to go 15 for 347. And again, they threw at him 16 times. He missed one ball. Like, yeah, dude, that's like – and again, Utah, like Utah's, I've always said, has one of the best head coaches in football, in my opinion. So I'm sure he was trying to do something. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yes, the, the biggest difference of the game was in the second half, and not that Ohio State's defense all of a sudden turned it on great, but they turned it on in the red zone. Utah had a handful of drives in the third quarter where you're like, okay, they're going to score a touchdown here. And it would be a penalty or a hold or a missed field goal or something like that little swagger of basically Utah was up the whole game, whether they're up by 14 or seven, every time a house hit scored, Utah would punch back and they lost that punch back. And eventually that momentum ran out of time. Yeah. And then unfortunately Utah's quarterback's head got slammed against the turf um, in, in Cameron rising. Now the backup did come in and actually let it drive down the field yeah, the game, which was right. freaking miraculous. Mm-hmm. But he left too much time on the clock, and Ohio State methodically worked their way down the field and kicked a, a nice little walk-off field goal. Um, but yeah, that that was – if it wasn't for the Purdue-Tennessee game, I would say that was probably the most fun game to watch on offense because even in that second quarter, there were five touchdowns, I believe, in a three a three-minute span, which is tremendous. But again, it, it, it they, they had to hold Tennessee and Purdue's beer. So but a, a great Rose Bowl – um, I know Utah didn't win, but for their first ever Rose Bowl, they put up a hell of a performance. They had a great year. Yep. And um, I know this is so weird and just strange, but Utah had a nice little honoring of the two, actually two players from West Mesquite, the high school I work at. Um, they had two players from West Mesquite who both passed nice. away over the last two years um, oh. due to uh, a, a drive-by and a player was at a party who accidentally, you know, shot himself with a gun. So it's just, it's so strange that two guys go to the same school from the same high school and within a year both pass away. But they did a nice little honoring of the players on ESPN in the morning. And I know they did at the bowl game too. So that was, and I know Utah um, with one of the players, they paid for his whole funeral at Dallas Cowboys Stadium this past year. So it's been a really unfortunate event of guys they've drafted from the school I work at, but Utah's gone out of their way to, honor those guys' names and still remember them. So that's just a, I think 
goes to show kind of the classier program that Winningham runs. At least it appears that way to me. So that was a nice little touch for them for a very unfortunate uh, just amount of events that occurred for them. Money, the amount of money. Like, what's the difference as a player in saying these games are meaningless when, as we played in quote-unquote meaningless games, I mean, I know you guys were here a lot, but I just don't understand. If you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We we compete. So I, I don't know if cha- I don't know if changing and expanding it yeah. is going to ch- change anything. I really don't. I think this era of player just doesn't love football. That's what I was about to say. We're dealing with a total men- different mentality. We're dealing with these um, student athletes nowadays, especially the football players. I mean, their whole mentality right now. Is about the championship, the playoff. We got to get into the the CFB or the CFP, and because of that, they don't value the bowl games. Now, when we were coming up, Herb Street, myself, like to go to a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season. That's what it meant. It's like, okay, your team played this well, so you're going to be rewarded by going to this bowl game. You're going to get a ring. You're going to get swag. Now, kids don't really care about that. They're, they're, they they have a sense of entitlement. It's like if we're not going to the one that matters, then, you know, it just doesn't have as much value to them as it did us growing up. I think it – So that, I had to play that clip going into it. Um, and let's, let's address both of them. Um, as far as Desmond, when he says, you know, like their comments on the surface – aren't the worst comments ever, you know. It's it's the context that they fail to put them in and the whole wide spectrum that you have to shape this thing in. But just to say, oh, they're all entitled. So all of them are entitled? I bet you a lot of, you know, when you hear some of these stories of these kids and you, you bring up entitlement, it's it's pretty backwards thinking in a lot of ways. Now, I don't know Desmond's upbringing, so I'm not going to act like I do. But um, when he says that, the key word there is the fan. This is the Bulls are from a fantastic season. It's a reward, right? And you know, we talked about the two wide receivers at Ohio State. I think Baylor had two guys out: a D end and a wide receiver. Uh, the pit, you know, that was ten against twelve. The pit quarterback was out he's going to be in the first round and there's some there's probably more that we're just not thinking offhand but there is a difference in the top like I said in the top 15 top tier bowls top six to eight bowls there is a difference you don't see as many op op and out you don't you don't um and my thing is to not shape the whole thing you know the the amount of bowl games, the reason why it expanded was from money, right? ESPN, NCAA, they're all going to make – they all made more, not going to. They all made more money. So it was okay to water down the bowl games. That was fine because it was the name of money, right? It was fine to screw these players all this time because it was in the name of money. Now they're like, oh, my God. We don't know what to do. Well, we've had a decade to think about what to do, but did you do anything about it? No, you didn't. 
it came to state governments that started changing rules. You guys had a huge head start. And so to not shape it all like this, I mean, when, when De- first of all, Curb, Herb Street didn't go to the pros. Okay, so he, he never got put in that scenario of should I or should I not. Now his dad went to Ohio State and was a stud. He went to Ohio State and played. I think he played his senior year more. Um, but, you know, so I get that he'd have a bias and be a little pissed off that it was Ohio State that had two wide receivers out in the Rose Bowl. So I get that point. I totally get that. But when we're talking about Howard technically never really got to that position either because the money wasn't there for rookies. If you go look at the average pay scale in the 80s for NFL players, they had two strikes in the 80s just to get the money they're getting in the 90s and especially in the 2000s and beyond. So technically, Howard wasn't even in that scenario, really, because the money wasn't there. There wasn't a, this is life-changing money for you right here. So he, he really didn't know that yet. So he can't say exactly, but at least he was a top-tier guy who made a decision, and I get that. Nobody made that decision back then because the money wasn't there, but at least he was in the scenario, whereas Herb Street wasn't. A lot of other people like you and I, we never played even college football. So a lot of people have all these, you know, well, this is what I do. You don't know what you do until you were there. So just calm down a little bit. But to go further, there was like 15 bowls in the 80s. Then you go all the way through the 90s. By the end of the 90s, Marshall, there was 25 bowls. So that's the top 50. So 15 bowls is the top 30, and you can make arguments from like 20 to to 28 or something like that, the 30. You can make debates and all that, so that's cool. So you got all the way to 25. Now, this year, there was 44 bowl games. That's 88 teams. There's 131 teams total. Why more than half? So when you talk about a fantastic season, you can get in 5-7. to seven. You can be 5-7 and seven and get bowl games. They've cheapened the bowl game. They've watered down the bowl games. All but, what, three or four bowl games ESPN does. And these guys are puppets for ESPN because it's like, dude, you're the one who watered it down for money. And I'm not saying Herb Street did that, but he's part of it. If he doesn't add all the equation of the NCAA and the networks, then it's bullshit. You're the ones who watered down the product. You're the ones who didn't pay the players. You're the one who took advantage of it. You're the one who let the, the coach do whatever the hell they want and leave the team. But the players had to sit out a year. Now that's not a rule, and that's cool. But it's just it's really troubling when you water down the whole system and then to just blame it on. And I cut off the clip, but they brought up video games to to say they're entitled. Everybody in this fucking world is more entitled than a hundred years ago, almost. So we can make that fucking thing all the way in anything. So that you might as well throw that out, but to sit there and say the players don't love the game, why don't you talk about individual players? Because a lot of players played when they didn't have to. Shit, the whole Gophers roster played, and there's like five guys that are going to go pro. One of them was a little banged up. Maybe he could have just said, ah, I'm good. You know what I mean? So to sit there and blame it only on the players as if the scenarios the same as it was in the 80s, 90s, is just completely bullshit. Sorry for the long rant. 
No, you're good, and I agree with that. I think that, like a lot of parts in our society, that this rant was elected at the small elitist, and because it's it's really not true overall for college football. I mean, I was watching, oh, I bet on it, but I was watching like the old Dominion game, and I, I know. So the the announcers were saying like, we always hear the, oh, there's too many bowl games; these games don't matter. And their point was this old Dominion team two years ago won zero football games. And now you win six and you're playing in a bowl game like one of the first seven year school's history. So does this affect the playoff picture? No. Does this matter to Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard for a preview? Probably not. But if we're talking college football, these guys are D1 athletes. They play football. You don't think that those guys were excited as hell to be part of a program who you won zero games. And now you're playing in a bowl game two years later. Like, and, then, and that was the announcer's point during the game was like, dude, this is a hell of an accomplishment. So to say this game doesn't matter, those players, well, I, he, he was basically calling bullshit. And I would agree with the same thing. Like, there's so many teams who maybe they don't have a number one draft pick, but you can't tell me that it doesn't matter to those kids on the given day. It maybe doesn't matter to ESPN because it's not a a top five Rose Bowl or a top five bowl game, but to those teams and to those seniors who, again, I would like to think that for the most part, seniors probably care about bowl games, especially if you were part of a rebuilt program or maybe you never won a bowl game. Maybe it was the first game you ever gone to. Maybe it's the coach's first one. Like that's such a cliche thing because a, a, a two percent, a shit, maybe one to 2% of athletes in bowl games opt out. And, again, I can't even blame him because you saw what could have happened if you're Matt Corral, who said, F it, I never even considered to not for a second because this is my team and I love my boys. And I, I honestly, I know I'm biased, but I, I respect and encourage that. Like, that's awesome. That was his decision. He wanted to go out there with his boys and be a leader. And he almost. But he, if he would have broke his ankle, he would have lost out ACL. Yeah, he would have lost out on a ton. Because I know those players can get some health insurance if they're, like, top picks, but it's not the equivalent of what NFL would pay you. So he and you've got to get it, too. You know, yeah. to, get, to get the insurance claim is not, like, the easiest thing to do no. just in life, let alone that. Yeah. So, and, and, and again, it almost backfired. And that's why everyone in the stadium, like, when that happened, was, like, silent. So, I, I just think that is such a – It works both ways. Yeah, that that was such a, a weak statement to make. And, yes, the kids are different nowadays. That's 100% true. They sure. are. People are in general. People are right. – yeah, 100% yeah. people are in general too. Um, I think it's hideous that – I would love – I think this is a side rant, like, but I think that any parent who ever gets upset their kid for misbehaving in a grocery store for not being patient should look at themselves how they act in airports. I, I always think whenever I go on a plane, Chris, it's always funny to me. The person who wants a plane lands will walk and get out of their chair and move up three rows. Dude, what, 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 you, you just walked up and you will stay out in aisle for 15 minutes. And, and you're probably the same parent that yells at their kid who is not patient. Like people, people have lack of patience. It's just how, like, there's so many things about our society where it's like, dude, realize what you're critiquing. Okay. My airport rant's a special one, but it's, it just goes through like we, no one's perfect. But to, yeah, but to to make such a blanket comment—that's the problem. The blanket players. Yeah. The, there's the play- some play- at least say some players, or yeah, there's really not that many in the top fifteen that's well, that out, dude. And you're right, and they're like, yeah, they're right, and there were a lot of guys who were first round picks who or second who did decide, yeah, who did decide to that play. Just pisses me off. It's like, dude, no. 
Uh, yeah, and then you say, well, the, these guys nowadays don't care anymore. Well, that that's simply not true. They are, again, our generation's different. Social media has changed the way our this younger generation acts, but the, these kids put in just as much time and effort and watch the film, and they maybe handle themselves different, maybe have TikTok celebrations and whatnot, but the love but of the it game was a is horror. still there. But he, what we don't bring up, though, Kirk and Desmond doesn't break up, bring up is how horrible the ending of the seasons were back then. We yeah. couldn't even find out who was number one and number two to sure. even have them play. But I, I guess know. it was just so perfect back then. That's what pisses me off, too. It's like, do you understand? Like, the most important thing is to get the number one and number two to play. And I guarantee everybody's going to play in these fucking games. So to sit and there and act like the 80s and 90s were just fantasy land, not only that, but you want to talk about money. You want to talk about money? They were getting money back then. Big money. Houses, $90,000 cars under the table. They were getting big money. So that helped them. That helped them with their decision to play, too. And just to wrap this up on my end, that, that I literally, I promise you, I know that even sometimes I have to remind myself, like, oh, my God, this guy's not playing in a bowl game. For, and, you know, he's not there with his brothers. A, I'm sure he misses out on it and, and doesn't enjoy the feeling of that. Like, you saw Pickett for Penn State. He was sitting up in the offensive coordinator's booth, like, calling plays and fist bump on the back and made a touchdown. Like, you know, all those guys get into it. But you got to realize that I would – like I said at the start of the show, I bet almost every single player who was saying, okay, do I do I go and play with my team or do or do I potentially risk losing what could be life-changing money for me and my family? Like, it is true. A majority of athletes don't come from a whole lot. And you, you are literally the 1% of high school football players that go to play high, that go to play college football. And then you're the 1% that could, that you're the 0.5% that could go pro. And sure, it does suck to miss out a really small portion of people. It's a a, a 0.5%. But if that was me and I realized I could be a first or second round pick and have millions in my life. I need to sit out 60 minutes to guarantee that has a bigger chance of happening. It would be super hard to say, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go play. Cause everyone, everyone always remembers the McGay. You know, until we're in the scenario. You know, I know. Really don't. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's disrespectful of them to blanket that. Cause again, it is the point point 0.5%. And again, when you saw like Pickett there, like he, I, I, I think he was doing all I could, or there was a different running back. I forget which team it was, but the running back was literally on the sidelines coaching his team up the best he could. And, you know, it's just it's a choice they got to make. I think it was Brees Hall for Iowa State. He was out there cheering his team on because he wanted to be part of his team and he just didn't want to risk losing out millions. And, again, big picture as an individual, you can't help but respect that because that is so much money. And, again, 90, 98% of our country is – that's money that we'll never see. So, yeah, I, I And they I would can't do it. it. It's dangling right yeah. there in front of you and mm-hmm. most of us would do it. All right, let's mm-hmm. get – let's try to make it compact. But let's uh, – because sure. we're at the 50-minute mark. Um, but it was a good rant. Um, you just got to put everything in context. You can't just, like you said, blame everything. 13-1, and one, one against two, uh, the two teams that have separated themselves the most. Hey, Kirk, we're getting number one against number two. We didn't get that in the 80s and 90s. Anyway, um, so Vegas said, hey, we're going we're gonna to make you think about this one. We're going to make you go, hmm, what is going to go on here? Um, they got the weather up here, 24 degrees. It's indoors. So I don't know why they even put up the weather. Um, the Georgia Bulldogs 
are not only a three-point favorite, okay, but according to ESPN's Football Power Index, there's a 58.2% chance and only a 41.8% chance that Alabama loses this game. Georgia Bulldogs' favorite. What says you in this one, sir? I just, I got to go with Saban. Um, I know that it was a miraculous uh, Tua pass um, a handful of years ago that led to a a Bama title, which would have been a Georgia win. But, and again, I know this is a, a small sample size, but just especially like for a defense who really hadn't been punched in the mouth the whole year, just the way that Bama moved officially in the second quarter and Georgia looked lost on defense just for that quarter. I don't see how Nick Saban doesn't, again, out-scheme Kirby Smart. Again, Georgia probably is the second-best team in the country this year. But, again, with equal amount of time off and head coaches against head coaches, I just think that Bama makes a better game plan. Again, I think that leads to another victory. I think the computer and analytics are making Georgia the favorite. But if computer and analytics were always right, I would be living in a mansion driving three sport cars and having a, a paying a mortgage and not caring about it. Cause you can't always go off numbers. That, that is what really sports have really become. And I think it's really stupid because especially now in the NFL, if the coach loses a game, he's like, well, the analytics told me to go for it, go for two for the win. Well, analytics don't pay your salary, but I feel, and even college football, Chris, it's really become a way of, well, the analytics say this. Yeah. But analytics are, are, are computer generated numbers that don't, result in what is always happening and so i do think that's kind of becoming another blanket trend of well the numbers say to go for it here well you're still a coach you're you're still calling the shots a computer doesn't tell you what to do but i think that's what's leading georgia to be favored georgia has better computer stats than bama this year but i can't pick against saban against kirby smart he's yet to beat him i think bama's offense will again outmaneuver georgia's defense and I think that Bama's defense again just has a better head coach with a better game plan. So I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm literally I'm taking Saban, just because I think they'll be a more well prepared, well coached team. Losing Mechie does suck, but I'll still take just the better coach, and I think Saban will find a way to make up for Mechie being out. I think Mechie does play something into this, sure. um, as far as why they're the favorite. I also look at how the style of the game went before. Uh, Georgia was up 10-0. to It was 17-7 to at one point. It was only 24-17. to Even at half, uh, Bama sure. did get up. So that's a tight game. They had a nice drive uh, that got them up 31-17. to uh, Georgia, you know, had an 11-play drive, six minutes, ended up in an interception. Had a 12-play drive. Uh, almost six minutes, turnover on downs. But it was punt, 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 you know, there for a while. And then it was a, a pick six that got it to 38-17. to 17. It wasn't them putting their foot down. So, um, and there was another turnover on downs late. The game was over by that time. But yeah. um, I think that plays into it. And when I replayed this game in my head without the Mechie, the wide receiver, um, and, and, you know, we, I just got done picking against Georgia. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to sit there and act like, you know, maybe I, I, I didn't 
I didn't pick – we both picked Georgia against Bama, right, didn't we, in the SEC? I, I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we both picked against Georgia um, this last time, or at least took the points, seven and a half at Michigan. So I'm, I'm just going to go, you know what, screw what my gut tells me. I am going to – I'm siding with Vegas on this one. It's still a human being, not just computers in Vegas. Okay? Sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm picking Georgia to win it on a field goal at the end of the game, my friend. Well, uh, that game is a week away. It, it should be a, a really fun game. I know that we have had a lot of shitty Final Four games in college football, but our our long list of Bama, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State mix in there. We've almost had almost a really good championship game almost every year. I know the Final Fours suck, but the lead-ups to them have almost always made yeah. it worth it. So we should be able, we should be in for a great game. That is a good point. We've had yeah. a lot of great games in the in this system too. Yes, you know, yeah. Not the, to the, Debbie the, down it because we those semifinals have sucked on average, yeah. but that's a great point. That is a great point. We've yeah. had just those three games with Alabama and Clemson. Oh, hundred percent. Three were ridiculous. You know? Amen. So that, so, that's a good point. I hope we do get spoiled with another great game that Chris and I will be back to recap that. And then we'll be getting into college basketball where there I know there's a lot of games postponed every day, but they're finding a way to, to stick it through. And hopefully this COVID wave is going to slow itself down. And by March Madness time, so we can enjoy a lot of fun conference basketball. But Chris and I will be going from college football to college basketball. So if you've been listening to college football, we do do the same type of podcast, but we do it for college basketball. So if this is your first year listening to us, hopefully you can join us on the other end for college hoops because it's the same type of show. We have a lot of fun. We talk gambling um, and college basketball. March Madness is it's like bull. Roy, it's like the bowl games, but on steroids. That's that's one of my favorite shows that every year I do with Chris when we uh, make our bracket picks for the first two rounds. That's one of the best days of the year for many people in their office pools. So. Um, until then, uh, we look forward to – and actually, in, in case you die hard for football, I know LSU plays K-State tomorrow. <laughs> it's not exactly – for somehow they always have that one bowl game that they throw in, like, after everything. So yeah. um, it's the Coach Row going away tour. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So uh, until then, we'll be back next week breaking down what hopefully should be a great national title game. Um, stay safe. I hope your 2022 got off to a great start. The boys are out tonight. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.